Todd Mack. And I'm Joe Dorowski. We're the hosts of the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we discuss a great character in a great story. If you listen to us, your fancy will be tickled. And your thoughts will be provoked. One reviewer described us as fanboys with PhDs. Our discussions cast a wide net, alternating between TV, comics, films, and novels. In one episode, we may discuss a Spanish telenovela, and the next week, an American superhero comic. That was January 2016. Or one week, we might discuss a Japanese manga, and the following week, a Jane Austen novel. That was October 2016. Check out the Protagonist Podcast. Great characters and great stories. Alright. More history lesson. <laughs> history lesson in a class is not a history class. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because that's how we do things at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Just everyone just dispenses information as Harry needs it. Because <laughs> Harry needs it. <laughs> like it doesn't even matter. It's kind of how it goes. It's kind of how it goes. Well, they all saw how badly Ron failed, so they're just trying to get out of information <laughs> right like, now. I I don't I don't know if I could if Ron can't do it, I don't know if I could I don't want my rat to turn into a furry cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. It's, it's just so a gross. Just furry cup. It's like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't want it. I, now I just want to find you a, a furry cup just to be horrifying and be like, here, have this on your... Who who would sell a furry cup? Someone on Etsy. <laughs> like you wouldn't... Of course like, on you Etsy. You wouldn't drink out of it. <laughs> no, but it'll have a little rat tail. It'll be scavenged as a cup. No, thanks. Poor Peter Pettigrew. Right, yeah, we were discussing it's the only that. time it's a I human. ever feel for him. It's a human <laughs> within a rat within, within a cup. cup. Uh huh. It's 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 like Inception. Transfigureception. Uh, tra- Transfigureception. There you go. There you go. I was trying to combine the words. I'm like, I saw how does this you, work? You physically like, did uh, the like puzzle pieces with your I'm like, fingers. How does this work? <laughs> I can't do it. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> we, we solemnly swear we're up to no, no good. good. podcast that's over analyzing the harry potter movies one one history lesson at a time mm-hmm. i'm gary roby i'm victoria cope and we have adam the creator with us again welcome back yeah thanks for having me back you guys couch is real comfy oh i'm glad that uh that you don't mind staying it's it's quite a week but i think it'll be worth it uh, yeah i mean i i don't want to fly all the way back and all the way back and forth it's just too much flying too cold it's a long it's a long trip <laughs> it's a long trip i uh <laughs> glad you don't uh, just watch out for the cats is all i'll say i guess they can be quite a nuisance at times that's that's saying it lightly well we'll call i can call them a, a nuisance that works right yeah luckily my cat <laughs> hasn't been too bad when i've recorded other <laughs> shows we've been fortunate over here when we record for like the main show lately it's been okay but uh when we record for the weekend edition we tend to do it at victoria's place and her cats are much more vocal <laughs> well see you close <laughs> you close your door to block the cats that from is coming true in. i do close my door and i don't close my bedroom door i maybe i it's should they live there but i feel like 
if I did, they would just be on the other side of the just door. Just meowing the whole meowing. time anyway? Yeah, we'd yeah. still hear them. So, eh. <laughs> at least with the door open, like, the, you you hear a little bit, but then, like, they can make themselves comfortable and they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. We're not here talking about cats. <laughs> well, well, kind of. We're here talking well, about McGonagall. Victoria, you're pointing at this room. She turns into a cat. Okay. Yeah. Watch out for McGonagall. She, uh, she... Do you think McGonagall... Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to ask this now. <laughs> Do you think McGonagall, as a cat, likes to like... Like, cuddle and be pet. Do you think she, like, stretches out and lays in the sunlight? Do you, does she purr? Aw. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't I... know if she would lounge around as a cat. No, probably not. Because there's no... It's not there's no useful? incentive for her to stay yeah. as... Well, but, like, Sirius doesn't mind just, like, turning into a dog and walking around. Well, I guess walking around because he'd get in trouble otherwise. Exactly. But... I'm like, he kind of has to. Uh, I mean, I feel I feel like she was maybe, maybe spying. From cat would help. From the first book, just the way they describe how she just sits perched on the wall all day, just sits there in the same spot all day. I just cannot imagine her lounging. No, yeah, you're right. Even 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 Vernon notices that there's something weird about this cat. Right. Like, <laughs> looks like it's reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just so stiff. Did the cat? Is this normal cat behavior? <laughs> no, because my cat just sprawls out all over the place. I mean, I'll be working at home, and he'll just come sit next to me, and then all of a sudden, I look down, and he's just flat on his back, all splayed out. Uh huh. Too weird. <laughs> it's a trap. Today, today we're talking about minute number fifty-seven, which starts with a dramatic pause, and it ends with another question from Hermione. Extending this uh, history lesson. Pause. Oh my god, pause <laughs> with a W? How dare you? That is not what I meant. <laughs> well, we were talking you. about cats and you said dramatic pause. I'm like, pause? <laughs> I know you pull your hands up, but no one can see you. <laughs> I know. The curse of this format. I know, I move my hands a lot. <laughs> oh, it was, that, was, that was good. That was good. I'm gonna call this episode "Dramatic Pause." You've already decided. <laughs> We're like two minutes in, and it's happened. Uh, but with a W. <laughs> That's always uh, the best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so McGonagall says that legend has it that Salazar built a hidden chamber within the school. And my first question, before we even really get into the, like the story, my first question is like, legend has it. Like, Salazar didn't go around being like, oh, hey, you guys, like, I built my own wing and, and you're never going to find it. Like, it, <laughs> he he built this chamber and then sealed it off and then left. And then, like, who started the rumor? Who named the Chamber of Secrets the Chamber of Secrets? I feel like that's one of those, because he made a chamber and it was a secret. Okay, but <laughs> like, kinda... but like, but he didn't call it that. What would he no. have called it? Sanctuary. Oh, I like that. I like that, especially since it's got, like, his face built into stone in it. Yeah. It's his, it's his place. It's the sanct- <gasps> It's the sanctuary. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I imagine it must be one of these, like, she says, she goes on and she says that, like, only the, uh, it would be sealed until his own heir returns to the school. I think Salazar may have told somebody, maybe one of his early on posterity you know maybe yeah. it's a family thing that's passed down and someone else in the family blabbed it out 
because like the early part of the family would have been too proud to go back right after dad or grandpa left you know yeah i was thinking about that there must be like several generations before the next like descendant of slytherin ends up at the school probably for that same reason like oh well great grandpa salazar got like outed from the rest of the they they didn't like him we're too good we're too good for this school (laughs) they let half bloods in they let yeah muggleborns in oh we can't send our kids there yeah Ugh. Well, and, and, you know, we did a little bit of research. We talked about it briefly last week, but it seems that according to the, the article about the Chamber of Secrets on Pottermore, that it's actually closer to Voldemort when we have like someone opening the chamber again. And it's one of the it's one of the gaunt relatives, like one of his like I know that on his mom's side, like Marope Gaunt is his mother her maiden name. So like someone from that part of the family, the ones that like, when we see them in flashbacks in the books, they're kind of like hillbilly almost. They're like in the middle of nowhere, like <laughs> yeah. kind of removed. It, it seems like the, the respectability of the pure blood house of Gaunt really fell a lot in opposition to like where the Malfoys ended up or where the blacks ended up. Like they were the noble house of black, you know, but like the, the Slytherin's own family sort of, became decrepit and backward inbred is that the thing is that what's happening there is that why they're so well for fa- ostracized for any kind of families that really rely on that whole pure blood like thing yeah end up doing that yes yeah i guess yeah well i was actually i'm actually reading um order of the phoenix right now again and okay I just read the part where Sirius is explaining the family tree and Harry's like super shocked that he's like related to the Malfoys and he's related to like the Lestranges <laughs> and he's like anybody who's pure blood, you know, there's only a few families. So anybody who's pure blood is related. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it. I think they're called the I think they're called like the Great 28 or something like that. Like the noble, the 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 renowned like pure blood families and there's quite a few on this list that we see that are like leaning toward the death eater types i think that like i think the crabs are on it i'm pretty sure the malfoys and the Lestranges are on it but but so are the the pruitts and the weasleys and a couple of these families that are like now considered either blood traders or sort of like separate from the the kind of black, the part, the black part of the family tree, the one that's like kind of proud and noble and holding on to those, literally those roots, that like tree that's the family tree they've, they've created in their house. So I don't know. If, if we have these groups now uh, in the pure blood family tree and you have like the blood trader side and then the pure blood side, I mean, they're, those sides aren't going to mix, so you are going to get into even more inbreeding territory because now you've cut off a third, a half, however many yeah. percent of people that you could, you know, hook up with, and you're just hooking up with the same people over and over again. Ew. <laughs> I don't like this. It's backwards thinking. Do they not? They just don't realize that it's like not gonna work. You can't have genetic variability if you're just staying yeah. within the family. Like it's not. It's like those. Uh, it's like those pictures from history of like royalty that 
did the same thing and finding out like well you know these people ended up having like these jaw issues and like left this and uh-huh. so many like deformities and and other things because yeah you're not I think that definitely to I think that definitely explains that. at least like like Marope and what's her brother's name her brother who's like the uncle who's like the he was the kind of monster of the three of them remember is her brother uncle well, it's her brother. It's Voldemort's <laughs> uncle. Oh. He ends up in Azkaban because he murdered oh. some muggle people that were affiliated yeah. with Tom Riddle Sr. Yeah. I don't remember his name. But yeah, they definitely, like, you know, when we see them, when we see their house and flashbacks and stuff, it's definitely this, like, in the middle of nowhere, they're alone. Like, they don't seem to have a lot. And then all three of them, like, the, the grandfather has, like, his anger stuff and then the the brother's a murderer and she she uses a love potion to get with this guy like they're all kind of messed up <laughs> they're all kind of yep. crappy yep. yeah it's not great oh how, mm. how it's in that's actually really fascinating like we won't really get because we don't really get that in the movies like we don't really get to see like what becomes of salazar's line no not no. at all they don't no. talk about it too much no no not really um Extending from that, she mentions, McGonagall mentions, that the heir of Slytherin, uh, the, the Chamber of Secrets would be sealed until the heir returns. And we know that Harry can get through the entrance because he can speak Parcelmouth, but we also we also kind of know that he can speak Parcelmouth because of his scar, like because of his connection with Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Is, is Parcelmouth the only example of like... A hereditary magical... No, I... Okay, I guess not. I was going to say a hereditary magical trait. But immediately Trelawney jumped in my head because isn't her, like, great-grandmother, like, Like a a, famous seer seer or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I can't think of any other examples of magic that is passed directly through lineage like that. Like, an inherent magic. Mm, Well... No, I was about to say Animagus, but that's a learned thing. That's a learned thing. Well, what about... um, uh, Oh, Tonks. specifically... Well, but none of Tonks's family seem to be metamorph mages, um, and Queenie Queenie is legilimens, but we don't know anything about her parents. Yeah, I'm like, what? But her sister doesn't thing? have that. Hmm, that's true. I just I, so I feel like we we have examples of other people that have exemplary abilities, but this is the only thing that I think is very directly tied to blood. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even that even that uh, thing on Pottermore about the Chamber of Secrets mentions that any Parsimouth can open the door. But not anybody who speaks Parseltongue could could command the basilisk. Like just because Harry has get in there doesn't mean that he can tell it what to do. He yeah. doesn't have control because he's not a true heir of Slytherin. How does that work? Because like how does the how does the snake know? Yeah, right. Like he can yeah. sense it. I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's a good question. I have. We'll get deeper into that. I'm gonna bug uh, our listener Jen Brugan. Um, about all the animal stuff when the basilisk comes up because I have so many questions about how this thing is supposed to work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking Uh, about animals, like, I am, again, distracted by (laughs) several of the animals in this minute. They have never distracted me until this time around, but, like, you know the little owl on the right side of the screen, like, two rows back from Malfoy? It just keeps dancing around the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> it's super like distracting still. <laughs> stay still back there owl oh my gosh you're right it's like flapping its wings and turning around and 
Yeah. I love it. That's really funny. I it's, didn't even... You're right. I, these are things that, like, you never really notice. It's like, I've seen this movie a million times, and you're, I'm, I've always been so enthralled with McGonagall's lecture that I never even really paid attention to, like, the, the animals in the cages around their room or, like, what... Who's, who's sitting next to uh, Neville? Uh, that's a good question. We just show Neville again. Oh, uh, where is no, that Neville? Wasn't Neville? I I don't see Neville. I keep seeing Seamus. There's a toad in front of Seamus, but there I'm is not... a toad in front yeah. of Seamus. I don't see Neville yeah. in this. Scene. Is that is that Seamus's toad? Does he have a pet toad? I don't too? know. Because that's one of the allowed pets, right? Yeah, toads, cats, and owls are the allowed. And, pets. and in front of Dean Thomas, he has like a a type of lizard. Looks like maybe like a bearded dragon or maybe something of that nature. There's You're a... right. I'm letting the minute play and I don't see Neville anywhere. Yeah, I can't find him. I thought you said what you did see him because you thought you saw Trevor. I thought I did too. Didn't we talk? I think we mentioned him on Friday last week, but now that I'm looking for him, I don't like, see him in the room. where did he go? Weird. I don't know. Where'd you go, Neville? Maybe he wasn't there. We were mistaken. Right? We, we saw the toad and immediately thought of Neville. <gasps> oh my God, maybe. No, no. Uh, tr- uh, Isn't this Neville right here sitting next to Hermione? Yeah. It should. Yeah, it should. We no. only see the yeah. side of his no, face. No, you're right. Yeah, like that is definitely second. Neville because you see he's his sitting, cheek. Yeah, he is a chubby He's cheek. sitting in front of Seamus and Dean. Okay, see, he is in there. I can't see with a what uh, Justin Fitch Fletchley has the turtle, but who's the girl next to him? I can't. I don't see know who the kinda, girl next to him is. Can't see what kind of animal she has. I don't know her name. I'm like fascinated Hannah with all Abbott's these in front of them. I'm fascinated with every with all the people's different animals, like how how they all have different ones and how did they get them? I mean, my assumption is that McGonagall like. Passed maybe out. this is our yeah maybe she passed on animals maybe maybe <laughs> take, take one and pass it to your left <laughs> you just get a box full of animals and pick, <laughs> take one and pass it down. pass it down like i'm gonna take this toad he's like i want an owl a box i want an armadillo okay so it's gonna be a box that just has random animals and it's like armadillo and an owl and lizards <laughs> and a toad like all right i don't know that seems silly if you watch the girl behind dean in this minute she is constantly fidgeting, and I finally she is fi- fidgeting. She's she's trying to keep a mouse on top of a cage. Yeah, it's it's a little it is a little yeah, mouse. Yeah, moving around. It's like, hey, stay up there. Stay here. What are you doing? Stop moving. No, we're we're filming right now. <laughs> like, yeah, she's trying to get it to stay on top of like this little thing. <laughs> uh, is the okay? We're just gonna keep asking about the kids in the classroom. Is the girl sitting next to Goyle? No, sitting next to Crab supposed to be Mil- Millicent Bulstrode? That was my question because we see her in a future minute. Actually, what's I think her, it's tomorrow. What's her crest? You could kind of see it. I think it's a Slytherin. It is because we see her in the hallway in the next minute. And yeah, why she's... does she just look like a female version of him? <laughs> a crab? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, if it's Millicent Bilstro, then isn't that kind of what they went for? From what I remember in the description in the book, she's just like this kind of big hulking girl. That yeah. ends up like fist fighting Hermione later. Yes. Oh, that girl would take Hermione down. I oh feel. my god! Yeah, she's really big compared to Hermione. <laughs> right, Hermione's so Hermione little. might be able to throw a punch, but I don't think I'd do. It'd be like it'd be like Batman punching Bane. She just laughs. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Or like or like uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts and 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 Andre the Giant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that one's like, even better. They just look at you like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want Hermione wrapped around her neck, like holding on to trying to choke her out. Like. Hermione would have this look on her face. Like, no. 
Like, what is going on? It's one thing to punch a little, like, twerp, like, Malfoy, Dra- Draco in the face, but it's a whole nother thing to have, like, this chick who who has, like, at least, like, a, you know, a oh, bunch of pound, can... poundage on you, and probably a few inches, too, just to... This could get way more mean, and I don't want it to go that way. <laughs> well, she's 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 not nice. She is gonna in the book. She does, yes, pick on Hermione a lot. Yes, she does. She's a bully. I just thought it was funny that they put her next to this guy, and she kind of just <laughs> they look looks the like same. him a they lot. They can be siblings. They really could. It's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah. Another Carabina. another point I wanted to bring up is this class of twelve year old kids is being way too well behaved. Because the reason I say that is because I am a scout leader and I have the new scouts, so the eleven-year-olds, and ah. I mean my my scouts who are about to turn twelve, they I couldn't I could never get them to sit this still for this long ever. <laughs> so they this is like not characteristic of normal twelve-year-olds. No, I don't I don't think so either. I mean I. McGonagall is delivering some like heavy information though. And There's, they're like, all a kind of interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, it's like um, I think it's like when you're telling people like a ghost story or something. Everyone's just sort of leaning forward on the edge of the seat, like, oh, like what is the Chamber of Secrets? Like, what is this thing that's gotten hidden? Like, she doesn't doesn't she use the phrase like that 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 the heir of Slytherin is going to return and unleash the horrors within? Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's so <laughs> dramatic. Well. I we're planning a camp out. I'm going to tell a ghost story. I'll tell you if they're any better during yeah, a ghost story back, or not. Yeah, see if they're a little more behaved when you have when you have well, their like their fear. <laughs> when yeah, exactly. When you see like like uh, sketches or you know that whole trope in TV shows and stuff of there being a camp in around a fire being told ghost uh-huh. stories, they all look very like enraptured. <gasps> like I'm good. Like they want to listen. Oh my God. You so, know what that just made me think of was like when, when this is not our movie, but when, when Bilbo Baggins is telling the story about, and, and, and the, the trope, all the trolls were turned to stone or whatever in the first fellow in fellowship of the ring. And there's all the little kids sitting around him. They're just like, <gasps> yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's how you get kids attention. You tell them scary stories. And the next thing you know, they're just like Ooh. enraptured. Uh, they reprinted the the scary stories to tell in the dark with the original artwork not that <gasps> long ago. Really, I know that original artwork is what does it. I, I know, I know, because some of those stories aren't good, but the artwork, but the is artwork horrifying. is so yeah, ugh. yeah. Oh I think they did gosh. a reprint last year. So I remember those stories Me from oh, elementary I school. Mean, I would assume everybody does. They're pretty iconic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? how, how many other three, three of them? Mm-hmm. There's three, three of them. I don't even know if it's like scary stories and then it's like two and three or if it's like more and like even more or something silly like that. They have a box set though. You can get all three of them in a box set for like 30 bucks or something like that. Not bad. It's not bad. Not bad. Unleash the horrors within. I can imagine scary stories like for Wizarding World would be scarier than our stories. I don't know. We have, we'll, we'll, we'll save, save that for tomorrow because I do have... I have a question about something that McGonagall says tomorrow ah. uh, re- in regards to what lies in the chamber. Ah, put a pin in it. <laughs> but before we, before we, so she says that they're, that it's going to unleash the, that this air is going to unleash the horrors within and purge the school of all those unworthy to study magic. Purge the school. Sounds way more violent and dramatic than what we get. It True. does. It's, it's, it's the annual purge. Yeah, no, it, it, it actually, like, 
the phrasing makes it sound like they're going to like, the chamber will be open. Like just one day it's going to be opened up and the monster inside is just going to like rampage the school, just indiscriminately killing Muggleborns. And that is not what happens. No, it is not. I don't even think that would work. Do you think that if they just like, if instead of like picking off people one by one unsuccessfully throughout the course of the school year, if the basilisk was just like let to roam free through the school, how long do you think it would take to stop? Who, how many people do you think would die first? You can't even look this thing in the eyes. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it it always yeah. And then like you guys have mentioned in previous weeks, how's that? giant thing just getting around the school and not being seen I don't know. It all. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I think the Basilisk would have been a good asset to to Voldemort during the Battle of Hogwarts if Harry didn't kill it at the end of this movie. Could you imagine? Like, it's not... They don't have to cut off the head of, of Nagini. The yeah. Basilisk is the last Horcrux. <laughs> uh. Doomed. Doomed! Doomed. I just don't think... Yeah, I don't think it would work. I don't. I don't... I don't know. I don't know. I want more. They want this to be like, oh, you, okay. I guess the thing is like, we're not going to, this isn't going to be a horror movie, right? Right. You could lean that way though. This story lends itself to being a horror story. Like it, they're going to open this chamber and unleash the horrors within. You could, you could, you could have like, you could do it like a monster movie. Mm-hmm. You could. And it's, I mean, going back to my show just a, for a second. Um yeah. In Batman Begins, you know, we were so used to with the old one just being campy and weird. But then, like, in Batman Begins, they took it a whole different way. And then, like, the first scene where Batman is actually there, it's a total horror movie. Yeah. You know? In the shipping containers, he's just everywhere and nowhere all at the same time, picking guys off one at a time. I mean... They, it's so good. They could have done that with the basilisk, you know. He, I mean, he's already picking off, picking them off one at a time. But yeah, they could yeah. have. I mean, think about it. Adding shadows in the hallways. Here's, here's the thing. Here's what we lose. Now that you're saying this, this is exa- the the problem with Harry. Po- oh, I had the problem. The problem with like this being done as a horror movie is that Harry can't be on the scene every time this happens. Like we're so in Harry's perspective that we're not going to see like if you shot this movie and you included the cuts of like Colin Creevy and Justin Finch Fletchley like coming in contact with the Basilisk, like doing that thing, the shadows, you don't ever see what really happens, but you see the results of it. Like the music gets all sinister and they turn the corner and Justin sees this thing, this, this thing that we can't really make out through the through Nearly Headless Nick and both of them are petrified and then we cut away, like, you would get so much more of that sinister tension. But because we're always in Harry's point of view, we're not going to be there for those sequences. And and I think that that's why. I think that's why we don't get that tone. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it this isn't happening to Harry. It's happening to other people. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, it's almost like these, these other kids, it's almost like there's multiple stories that are going on. Like, we're in Harry's story. So Harry's is like, the mystery slash like schoolboy uh, kind of hero story, but if we if we told this book, if we if we spent a chapter doing like Justin Finch Fletchley, mm-hmm. you could totally do it with like a horror connotation because of what's going on. It it kind of reminds me of how like in Star Wars the episodic ones are all the Skywalker thing, but now you know we have. 
you know, Rogue One or Solo, and it's kind of breaking out of that. And then even Fantastic Beasts, you know, we're, yeah. we're pulling out of Harry's perspective and we're starting to get some of those other perspectives, which is really cool because then, you know, it just builds that world out more. And, you know, it's not, I mean, it's that whole thing with Star Wars where everybody's like, oh, don't make Rey related to Luke or Obi-Wan because then it's like every every important person in the galaxy is like the all of the same family. Yeah. You know, but, and yeah, but now we're starting to see like, Oh, this other stuff was super important that happened, but it wasn't like, wasn't the Skywalkers doing it or, you know, it was Newt doing all this stuff. And like, you know, one of our textbooks, we get to see the story behind some of that being made. It's really yeah. cool stuff. I like the world buildings. Me too. I'm all for, like, I've always been a fan of, like, really big, like, world building, epic fantasy stuff. Like, I got into, of course, Harry Potter and then Lord of the Rings, like, quickly after. And both of those are kind of big epic fantasies. But then so many of the things that I was reading in high school were like that, too. You would get these series of fantasy novels that are, like, 10, 11, 12 books long. And so you just have this, like, kind of this very immersive, very extensive world. And and I think both Harry Potter and especially like Star Wars has the potential to just keep telling stories in the same universe and not, not having to cross paths every time, not having to like connect everybody together because the galaxy is big enough. The, the magical world is, is spread out enough that not everyone has to be related to the 28 major families. It doesn't have to be you know, about Harry Potter or the Peverells or the, the Gaunts or whoever, like there are other people to talk about. True. And I think that's, I think that's cool. I'm all for that. Yep. Um, I think I've only got one last little thing and that's the very end here. McGonagall says that, well, naturally the school has been searched many times and no such chamber has been found. Um, she doesn't say that it doesn't exist. She says that it hasn't been found. Mm-hmm. I think McGonagall is one of those people who tries to be like super precise in just giving facts. She like she doesn't want to say, no, it doesn't exist because there's a good possibility it does, but she doesn't want the students to think, oh, there's this chamber. She's trying to... I think this is kind of her motivation for telling them the story. She's like, we have searched this castle and nobody has ever been able to find it. And I mean, she's kind of implying that she, Dumbledore, some of the greatest wizards have searched this castle and haven't been able to find it. So they should yeah. be okay. What do you think a search of the castle would be like? Do you think that like after the, the, the bloodstain they found the the writing on the wall last week that like that night she and Snape and Dumbledore like made the rounds of the ca- I feel like the castle's so big that you would never actually be done like exploring everything. Right? Yeah. And you're just gonna keep finding new nooks and crannies. Yeah. The the freaking the school changes. It 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 actually physically like shifts around the the staircases move harry ends up in places that he should never naturally be able to find it creates its own secret passageway out in the in the seventh year like i don't does hogwarts okay we've we've toyed with the idea of like hogwarts sentience before but like is hogwarts itself protecting the chamber from being found 
Maybe mm. until the right time. I guess so. Until the right person. Like, yeah. Harry's the first, presumably because Parcelmouth is a Slytherin trait specifically, then perhaps it took a Parcelmouth who's not the heir of Slytherin to be the one to, like, end the terror within the Chamber of Secrets. And so that's why Harry naturally is the one to find it. I feel like that just... Just Harry Potter, the chosen one, over and over and over again, is what is what it is, right? Like, well, you'll get into it way further down the line, but he did. <laughs> yeah. He didn't. He didn't get to pick being chosen. Someone else no. made that choice for him. You're right. You're very right. Yeah, actually, it'll be interesting to. I can't wait till we actually get to talk about Harry's parcel mouth. For like a few weeks. I think we've got a few weeks. Like four or five weeks till we get there. But we're going to get there really soon. And then we'll talk about uh, his connection with Voldemort even later in this movie. Oh my god, we have so much this movie left. (laughs) We have almost two hours to go still. It's a lot of movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Oh man. Okay, I think that's everything I had for today. How do you guys feel? I'm good. Yeah. All right. Uh, once again, let everyone know, Adam, where they can where they can find you, hunt you down. <laughs> yeah, come find me hiding on geekmindfusion.com. <laughs> we do Dark Knight Minute, analyzing the Dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan one minute at a time, doing Batman Begins right now. We will be almost halfway through when these come out, I think. Awesome. So, almost there, but... Yeah, we still got a ways to go, too. We only do three days a week instead of five, so come check us out. Awesome. All right, and then everyone else, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts at Harry Potter Minute. Leave us a five-star rating and review, and come back tomorrow as we talk about Minute 58, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mischief Managed. There's... What'd you find? <laughs>